What's up, you rebel-minded freaks? This is where we question everything and provoke the normality of the world, all in an effort to face ourselves and become better humans. That's what it takes to be rebel-minded. You in? Let's do this. If you're not making eye contact contracts with your four-legged friend, are you really even friends? Are you best friends? <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Henson, and today, the early of today, it's it's early, you can probably hear it in my voice. Um, I made a deal with my dog that I would give him a bone if he decided or if he could agree to not jump in my lap. Loophole being, though, is that he decided to eat this bone outside the bedroom. So, as such, he got locked out. And that was his choice, not mine. But, <laughs> welcome everybody. It's been, it's been another good week. I think it's been another good week. I think it's good that we can check back every week. So, how was yours? How did, how did things go? How did you process? How did you analyze? How did things come up for you? As we get into this episode, it was kind of created from a list of questions that I had for myself. I started thinking about what it was that made me happy, especially now compared to years ago. What was the difference that I made? Am, am I able to track and understand what it is that has changed in me? Because I think a lot of times we don't realize how much we may be ignoring who we really are, how much we may be ignoring our potential, all because of the fear of what we think we're supposed to be, right? I think there's there's a lot of inability to, to act and say and do, act and do, same thing, to act and say that keeps us from doing the things that actually fill our center. And I'll just spit out this checklist really fast because I wrote, I wrote it all down. And it's these. What helped me to my happiness? What have I decided to focus on and ignore? What are my me things? The things that make me happy, that are just for me? What have my relationships become? What have I done mentally? How have I changed my mindset? Are there financial differences? What brings me raw happiness? How have I created that happiness? What helps and what hinders me? And what have I learned? Now, I know a lot of these probably sound a little vague. But as you build your own questions, you know the background story. They're not taken out of context. So if you're able to ask yourself these types of questions, I think the answers you come up with will direct you even further and further towards the goals that you're after and the lifestyle that you want and the happiness that you seek. The big thing is that the past is teaching us. I've reminded myself and others willing to listen to my preachy attitude <laughs> that the past is not for reliving. It's for reflection. It's really the only reason that we have memory, I think. It's there for us to ponder our mistakes so that 
we won't make them again. Our past, or our remembrance of it, isn't just powerful, it's very life-changing, as long as we use it as such. But the suffering of so much of our lives has a huge connection to the fact that we can't get over what we've done, what we've had to endure, and what has happened to us. We create a yesterday with every today, with every tomorrow. We make choices for today and for tomorrow. But how often are we basing those choices off of what we were in our past? If we suffer, why is it that we can't stop suffering? If we want to change so badly, why do we continually miss the mark? I think it's because we are constantly hitting the wrong mark. And we do it because it's what we know. It's what our heart and our head know. We keep nailing ourselves to the cross that we once were. We are continuing to relive what we were. But this is the pessimistic view. I'm just being a dick and reminding us of why we suck. (laughs) But I'm good at it. And I do it for one reason. To stay aware. To stay vigilant of possibility. I think we have to keep our darkness close enough in order to always understand its evil and its potential to take us. I think we have to respect our own darkness. And in a weird way... I think that that can fuel us for what we're actually after. If we believe in good and bad decisions, then we must realize and be able to confront what those bad decisions are. We must realize that we are capable of evil, not necessarily that we are evil. And I think that's where the difference really truly lies. I don't think we're inherently evil. We just do some crazy shit whenever we're hurt. And don't be too hard on yourself. If you're always wondering why you repeat your past, it's a conditioning. It's a belief of what you think you are. Sometimes what you think you can be and what you always will be. But if our negative thoughts and actions create us, despite the difficulty of making the right choice, doesn't it logically make sense that we can also use our positive thoughts and actions to get us where we want to go? Isn't it just a replacement of the bad with the good? If your dreams of what you can be are real, then the nightmares of what you have been are also real. It's what we believe we are that makes us act on that belief. And you do have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself to the point that you start believing and acting accordingly. That's your proof. It's not this woo-woo idea that if you believe that it will come. I'm not just trying to repeat the secret. That's the surface level bullshit we all get told. And like it or not, the cliche is actually very true. But it doesn't explain how to do it. Most of the quotes and phrases we see out in the world for motivation are only the itty bitty thing that spark our belief. But there's so much more to do below the surface that needs to take place. And that work is a literal rewiring of our brain. It's neuroplasticity. The issue that I see, and the one I've started to understand more deeply in myself, is that it's not a switch. Or it could be. But you can wake up tomorrow and 100% believe that you're going to change. But what happens when the thinking that has been in your head for years decides to take over as it usually does? When the more difficult part of yourself, the lazy one, the fearful one, the hopeless one, the shamed one, takes over? The truth is, our bad habits and thoughts aren't going to disappear. 
and it's futile to just look for the delete button. There's a file that is ever-present in your mind that holds all of those thoughts and all of those bad habits, and you put them there as you start to replace them, or that's the idea. I think that's the key. And as we put them in the file, their priority is taken away. They collect dust. Out of sight, out of mind, right? We forget what they feel like, but we always remember them. So enough of what you already know. You know you have bad habits and thoughts. That's a given. Maybe all of us need to stop thinking we have to be Jesus, though. But you don't need me to tell you that. You don't need me to tell you anything, really. We're just here to connect. We're here to be relative. We're here to be personable. We're here to show that each one of us is human. And if my story helps you in any way, then that's what I'm here for. That's, that's why I do this thing. And if I can truly spit my own truth into this mic about transition, that, by the way, is just now starting to show its contrast, then maybe it's relative enough and personable enough to help you on your own journey. I've always been looking for that switch, and it's never really revealed itself. And what does it mean? Does the switch not exist? Or is the switch actually a potentiometer where you can slowly ramp up your motivation, your discipline, and your belief? And I think that goes hand in hand with the action that you put into play. If you're listening to this podcast, it probably has something to do with your own stubbornness of the world's quote-unquote truth. You too aren't convinced about the way things are. You too probably struggle to know what to do with life and what it's supposed to mean for you. And you too are probably trying to define purpose and genuine joy. So I'll tell you how I'm finding mine. This is episode number 46, Health for Happiness. I became someone else at about 28, 29, right before... I considered myself kind of leveling up at the age of 30. And don't judge me on my game choices here, right? It's a long time ago. But it's like when Link from the game of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, turns from a boy into a man, which he really just looks like a big boy to me. (laughs) Come on, he doesn't even have a beard shadow. But to get to my point, there may be a switch in that game of seeing him go from boy to man. But we all know there's backstory, that there's years of experience and change. There's an obvious transition there. But my own wasn't really so obvious. And maybe it's not for anybody. And it's definitely not over with. Is it for any of us? I mean, when I started to change, I felt like something new. But I didn't yet know how to be. What we want to be has so much spectrum. It's hard to even fathom. We spend so much time wandering around in that darkness that it never feels like real progress, right? But if black took years to turn through different shades of gray, lighter and lighter until it was actually white, how long would it take us to actually notice the color change? Take it easy on yourself when you're so desperate to change. You have one thing that so many people don't. You have awareness. Others are so convinced by the world that they are played by the strings tied to their limbs. If you worry about what you want to be, believe it or not, you're more free than most. 
your body and your mind and your spirit are telling you there's something different. And from my point of view, there's a super obvious chapter change. As a teenager and as a 20-something man, I just let life happen to me. Those damn fucking puppet strings, man. Yeah, I made good money. I had my cars and motorcycles. I had built a killer body. I was running around at about 6% body fat. I had a pair of gnarly abs and the little V thing, you know, in your waist. Yep, all for the ladies. All the ones that were not there. I was also playing harder than ever when I wasn't working. And my life revolved around materials, being ripped and trying to find a girlfriend. But I wasn't really happy, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize there was something else beyond what I had. Of all these things I had in my possession and all the things I had lived for, I had a huge pit in my chest. One that I had lived with for so long, I didn't even know it was there. It was heavy. It was deep. And it consumed every great thing that I had and spit back out shame and lack of worth and guilt until she happened. And when she did, it tested everything that I was. She brought everything to the surface. The black hole that existed in my center had been covered with layers and layers of superficial bullshit and a fake persona. I never felt fake. I didn't think I was being fake. I thought I was being real. But it was the character that I put on for others. I was a people pleaser. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I said anything and everything to make others like me or love me. I did things I hated for the sake of others. I smiled and laughed for the sake of others. I flashed my car and my bikes and my body. If you knew me then, we would have thought me somewhat modest, actually. But inside, it was like I was just on the verge of shattering. I was always afraid of people seeing the real me. Broken, vulnerable, unsure, miserable, doubtful, in pain. But after my partner and I broke up, After so much suffering and us pulling and chasing and scolding each other, it came to an obvious end. And that turned a very heavy-ass page. It was a tearing-from-the-book-binding kind of thing. It ripped my heart right out with it. But once I had dealt with the pain, realized that she wasn't for me or me for her, I saw that I was completely torturing myself, and I had become fed up, and I started to see the world fresh. And I think that's when the switch started to change. And damn, if I had only knew of the journey to come, I would have been that much more excited. It was the start of so many new things, so many new habits, new mindsets, life changes, new friends, new environments, new embarrassing moments, new goals. And between then and now, I sold my car and my house to give me more freedom and to invest in myself. I've watched and studied different diets, philosophies, stoicism, masculine and feminine energy, and emotional intelligence. I've gained friends that actually give a shit about who I am. I've become more of who I truly am. I've competed as a powerlifter. I've become a USAPL ref, taken random impulsive trips, scared the shit out of myself on those trips, started playing a ukulele, started a podcast, became a coach. I've also used my savings to pay my bills, passed out and bled on a powerlifting platform, been embarrassed in relationships, 
and notice the bullshit that I've pulled on women. Bad conditionings. I've learned to have hard conversations, how to be empathetic and comfort people for being human, how to be confident in my own work and believe in my goals and aspirations. I've accepted myself as human and found the beauty in making mistakes as one. And I've learned real presence, despite how fleeting it can be sometimes. I've learned to meditate and bring myself into focus. I've learned to stop myself from spiraling out of control and talking shit to myself. And I'm able to give myself grace and tell myself how fucking awesome I actually am. I've began separating my past self from the self I'm now becoming. And I've learned that I was never a horrible or wrong person. I was just learning. I've journaled more than I ever have in my life. I've read more books than when I was in school. I've questioned the fuck out of my own authenticity. I've said sorry to more people, stopped feeling sorry for myself, and most importantly, in my opinion, I found a smile that is absolutely real. The sign of happiness. Despite how the world will tell you how and where to find your happiness, it won't be behind a curtain of money and success, whether you gain it or not. We find the real success in what our heart does and what our mind and body can accomplish. But enough of my bullshit. Where are all the questions, right? Here they be, my friends. How is it that we can actually find healthy? How can we find our happiness, our most real smile? It's not something that you see pinned up on the horizon. It's something you chase after, something you put your nose to the ground with and track. And for me, there are these three baby steps from my little hamster self, me, that started to really naturally work for me becoming happy. Step one, start with your pain. Realize your pain. It won't matter if it's because of a loss of someone like me or just the pain of being miserable where you are. It can be right now. It can be right at this moment as your mind processes. Don't wait for something significant to happen as an excuse to start. I was there. I did that. You never have to hit rock bottom in order to climb. Know why? Because there can always be a deeper hole. Don't do it like me and think that you have to suffer more in order to be worthy of the fight back to the top. And this is very, very important. Be open-minded. This will not work without you taking down some walls. I know, pain sucks. Vulnerability sucks. So why is that the start? Because it means you're fighting against what you don't want. It's the new you pummeling the old. And your new you needs to get stronger. So don't be afraid of it. Well, what if I don't know where I'm going? How do I face the old me? Well, pain makes itself pretty fucking obvious. We're just really, really good at avoiding it. Turn towards the uncomfortable. Uncomfortable conversations with others and yourself. Uncomfortable exercise, not just of the body, of the mind and the heart and the soul. Start forcing yourself to find truth in other people's views and opinions. Not to sway your own perspective, but to really, truly allow yourself to accept others. Their views, their right and wrongs. Get uncomfortable with asking people on dates, being devil's advocate reading books, stopping or at least cutting down on vices like watching TV, scrolling IG, eating gobs of unhealthy food, etc. 
start forcing what really sucks. And why do we do this? Just to create movement. You can move without direction, I promise. I wrote a blog post long ago, long, long ago, talking about moving in complete darkness. Because if there's a door, you can't find it by being still. You have to reach out. You have to vulnerably reach out. So now that you're moving, step two, find that direction. Take the feedback that you're getting from all this discomfort. What is it telling you? What do you get passionate about? What seems challenging but fun? This is where you start to find your color. This is where things start to lose the fog. This is the direction. And do you find yourself growing? Are you uncomfortable? What things are really hard for you? I very much recommend writing this stuff down as it comes up so you can look back and you can remember what it was that made you change, that made you feel uncomfortable, that made you feel like crying, that made you feel physically or mentally exhausted. All the things that you like, all of the things that you don't like, all of the feelings that come up, it will give you feedback and things to ponder on and discover about yourself. Are you feeling shame for certain things? Do you feel embarrassed, angry, resentful? Your direction is also your voice. Don't be afraid to be loud. The reason this is so important is that the world needs to know who you are. Not in like a successful sort of way, but so that the world sees you. If you're timid and you're quiet and always neutral and accepting and never causing waves, you're fucking boring. No offense. I see it because that is something I am also working through. Something that I always was. This was very much me. If you're neutral and accepting of everything, then who can really trust you or enjoy you? It's not our job to be accommodating. It's our job to have a position. Others need to know who you are and what you stand for. Nobody can trust anything that changes just for them. The only problem is we're afraid to have others see where we differ rather than seeing that others want to see our power. They want to see what they do like, not necessarily what they don't. The ones that don't like you don't matter, and you will attract the people that see your power. Step three, which is probably the most painful just because it's the most time-consuming. Be resilient. Be resilient. As you start this path, you will question and doubt a lot. You will try and sometimes even turn back to what's comfortable. But this is heresy. Don't worry about how many times you do things right. Remember, you're rewiring your brain. And it's going to take a lot of repetition and a lot of time. Hold on to what you intuitively feel is right for you. Your physical, mental, and spiritual goals. Your relationship goals, your success goals, your passions. And some of them may change. And that's okay. Let them. What matters is the constant work to create habit. It doesn't matter if the goal changes. What matters is your movement. The steps are short. I get it. But I'm not here to create a program for you. That's not my job. My job is to get you to question and to believe in yourself. My job and my success lies behind getting you to be formative, to be steadfast, and a force to be reckoned with, to get you to see your ability and your power and a path that is your own and not that of society's. We should use society to our advantage, but we are not meant to become it. 
We are not meant to be its image, its poster child. And so that's it, my friends. Remember, our happiness is part of our health. We don't get anywhere without a lot of work, a lot of analyzing, a lot of processing, and deciphering that goes into finding that happiness. If we live in a world where we are meant to survive suffering, don't think that that means all you get is a tough exterior and a straight face. Happiness is a real thing, and overcoming suffering gets us there. We can appreciate the work we do and can look back at our work satisfied and fulfilled. So until next time, my friends, I'm your host, Zach Kinson. Stay rebel-minded and find your smile. Out. All right, guys. If you're here, then you have some sort of connection or curiosity of what goes on. So from the bottom of my little hamster heart, thank you. Even through a mic, that's what we call connection. And my life always gets better and more clear with all the souls that I get to connect with. If you like what you're hearing, or you want to share your story with me and the podcast, which I would absolutely love, write in. Send me an email or send me a text. You can contact me through IG as Creed Soldier or email me at Zachary at ChaosCreed.com. That's Z-A-C-K-A-R-Y at K-H-A-O-S-K-R-E-E-D.com. And of course, if you're up to the challenge and curious about really speeding up your self-development and your potential and getting committed to bettering yourself, send me a notification with Getting Rebel Minded in the title. Even if all you need is that confidential space to talk, I'm here to give that to you. Share, like, and follow the podcast if it means something to you. Then you'll know when every new episode and interview has been published. I've always got more good things coming.